Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. I am recording now, too. So. All right, now I'm recording. Um, I don't know how, how we could start off. Um... Hey, hey, pal, pal, we're live here. We're live. <laughs> oh, we can't start this over again? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, oh, let's man. roll with it. Let's just do it, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. This is a retrospective pro wrestling podcast network where we romanticize, fantasize, watch, and review your favorite or not-so-favorite storylines, matches, events, and or feuds from your pro wrestling past. I'm one half of the hosting squad, the creator of Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, Kobe Nida. And I am joined here with the mayor of Kicking Out at Two, the content creator himself, Dave Rosenbluth. Dave, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Co- Big Koboski. What's up, buddy? It's, uh, it, oh, not too much. It's, it's, it's been a long time, a long time since it we has chopped it up. I'm, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Yes, indeed, and it was supposed to be something different. We were going to do a special request for uh, our, our 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 biggest fan of Retromania, Nick Apolowski, but uh, uh, guess what? WWE Network, they swerved us, bro. Yeah, it, it, it was it was a it was a major dusty finish there. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, yeah, we were going to review the Diesel Coliseum Home exclusive. Um, but the WWE Network has decided to take that off. So in uh, future requests for any watch-along form or anything that you guys would like to uh, for us to review, please make sure that it is um, something that the network uh, is kind of dedicated to more rather than just these Coliseum throwaways and just putting them up there and getting rid of them. And I guess there's there might be like situations going on with payments for these guys you know uh, i think they put stuff up there and then somebody complains or not getting paid or you know and then it goes down or what, what do you think the process that is there Dave? i don't know i think they uh, obviously at least in my opinion i feel like that they uh, they they check trends and patterns of what people watch and what people don't watch so i'm guessing that there wasn't a whole lot of activity in that coliseum home video section um for for a time being or a time or two i should say and uh they decided to pull it um they they have a te- you know when they first you know brought the network into you know on the scene uh so to speak they um you know, they just threw everything out there. And then over yeah. time, they just, they started to realize that, you know, we don't need to put everything out there. Um, so they started, you know, pulling stuff and putting other stuff on. I mean, there's tons of footage that they have that, like, they they could throw up on the network, but they don't. A lot of it's got to do with licensing and and uh, and, and, and different things. Um, even the content of the, the, the quality of the footage, I should say. You know, especially the older stuff that they get. Um, if it's from... Yeah, a, they try to... Uh, you know, give it to us in the most complete form that they can. Yeah, and then there's sometimes where there's just footage that's like not even you know usable. Um, you know, footage right. that's been damaged that hasn't been taken care of over the years. I know that they have like other you know film libraries of other organizations um, that they don't use. They have it, but they don't use it because it wasn't stored properly. I mean, some of these territories, right. even for instance, um, 
I believe some mid south. Mid when I see mid south, sometimes the tape looks weird. Yeah, mid um, mid south with Bill Watts. <coughs> yeah, yes. so so I was actually just going to bring that up. Um, they used to record over their TV shows. They used mm-hmm. they they never kept everything. So once they had the tape and it aired and it made it out there, um, that was that. And then they would record over it. So um, there's there's a good amount in the library for sure. But um, there's a lot of stuff that they don't have because the the footage was taped over. So um, in this case, with the you know this is their footage that Diesel retrospective that that Nick had requested. Um, that's this is their footage. They always keep it. They don't tape over it. So um, I'm just guessing that there wasn't a lot of activity, and that's why they kind of pulled all that stuff. But you know right. who knows? It could be a number of different things. But, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm just spitballing yeah. here. But me in my completest fashion, I'm, I'm, I'm like concerned. I want everything on there all the time. I want access to it all, Dave. I, you know what? I wouldn't <laughs> mind all that access either, to be quite honest with you. I, you know, I, like we've talked about it on, you know, on our recordings before. Um, Wrestling Challenge and Superstars, um, you know, a lot of older, you know, primetime wrestling, um, things like that. You know, I mean, they've been putting up Velocity, the, the, the secondary show from the mid-2000s. Yes. Um, up on the network, you know, what about Shotgun Saturday Night? What about Livewire? What about, uh, you know, WCW Pro and Worldwide? And, yep, Power. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, I would imagine a lot of that's got to do with, with, with licensing and trademarking and um, the the intellectual property of the music and things like that and the time it takes to edit and, you know, reproduce that footage in its newest form because of all those licenses so um but nonetheless you know if any of you guys out there like kobe said have something you want us to watch or you just want us to review just you know be mindful hopefully it's on the network for um an extended period of time uh and and, and we can cover it um so nick if you're listening out there uh, if you got something else that you want us to uh you want us to review you want us to watch uh by all means um hit us up Yes, yes, please. Uh, you can always find us on Retromania. Um, by, you can always find us on any platform by searching Retromania with a W. That's W-R-E-T-R-O-M-A-N-I-A, man. And uh, we're on Podbean. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on all that good stuff. Um, search Retromania with a W. Dave, where can we find you and what's going on in your land? I know you're doing a lot of uh, episodes lately, um, talking a lot of memories of uh, with your with your guests. Um, you had your special like monthly episode with uh, all your co-hosts that you brought on. That was nice. Yeah, um, you know Dennis Levy has been a big help for me with a lot of these episodes. Um, yeah, we got ton, you know I'm just cranking out content uh, because of my personal life and my schedule. You know, uh, changing up the format a little bit in terms of how I you know throw the shows out there. So you'll probably get a little more monthly clusters as opposed to um, the weekly stuff. So um, you know, just feeling things out, seeing how that's going to go. But um, yeah, you can find Kicking Out of Two on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. You'll find it on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and uh, you know also SoundCloud.com. You'll find all of our shows there. The original uh, the original home for Kicking Out at Two. And uh, social media, Facebook and Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two, as well as our Twitter handle at Kicking Out Two. At the time of this recording right now, um, it is the month of October, and uh, we got a bunch of you know Halloween themed um, 
Uh, Spooky yeah, stuff. Yeah. I really like the mask, the mask episode that you did, and the meme that you dropped about the mask. Oh, oh with uh, Kevin Nash and the Rey Mysterio. Yeah, yes, you know how fitting. We're in a we're in a time period right now where masks are. Yeah, I'm not putting the mask yeah, on. Dude. Masks. It's fake. <laughs> it's fake, dude. I got I got creative control over my mask, my my, my mask wearing yeah. uh, abilities. Um, hey, I'm not doing yeah. that. <laughs> That's not gonna work for me, brother. Um, right. Yeah, so you know, mask, face paint, covering some Halloween havoc. So uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, like I said, you know, testing out you know a new format, so to speak, in terms of how we're able to uh, you know deliver content. So uh, yeah, be on the lookout for uh, you know all the episodes of Kicking Out of Two on our social media. I drop them on social media uh, as well as you know all the other podcast platforms provided that I mentioned earlier. Yes, indeed. Thank you for delivering that content. And speaking of delivering the content, this is a little bit different content for us. Um, it's kind of like a catching up with Kobe and Dave. Uh, catch and catch can wrestling, man. Um, we're, we're just going to spitball some stuff that's uh, the state of wrestling right now as far as October 2020. Um, you and I last spoke like... Um, basically analog about the state of wrestling um around wrestlemania time was that yeah the last I time think it was, yeah i think it was springtime but like it was before wrestlemania um mm-hmm. i could be wrong did we do something after wrestlemania too or we, we reviewed wrestlemania okay yes yes um, we did we slightly reviewed wrestlemania yep. and then did a dream card um but yeah, it was a little bit different of a time then um some of the restrictions have um, enabled more wrestlers to to travel and uh, do shows, and they've figured out a way with the Thunderdome since then uh, to keep fans kind of um, entertained while watching this uh, different experience of wrestling. Dave, um, yeah, it's been a year. It's been it, yeah, it's it's been a weird year, but I mean, there's been some. Uh, I would like to say some hidden gems in in wrestling. Um, given the, the, the climate that we've been living in in 2020 with the pandemic. Um, I mean, like you said, the, the restrictions that there have been to produce wrestling and they've had to really just kind of like, you know, you know, fake it until you make it <laughs> for, for, mm-hmm. for, you know, a long period of time. Um, I will say that like in the beginning of this, um, man, it was rough. I mean, watching wrestling. Um, it seemed like everybody was spinning their wheels. Yeah, and, you know, everyone, every, you know, when it comes to, to, to W, I'll, I'll speak about WWE. You know, they, they did the best that they could with what they were given and what they had. Um, you know, fans or no fans, people were going to shit all over the product to begin with. So it, it, it was pretty rough for them. I will say WrestleMania was a really good effort on their part to try and make up for what they couldn't provide um, with a live audience. Uh, AEW really um, kind of embraced the pandemic, probably the best in terms of how they were able to produce their programming with, you know, guys from the roster, socially distanced around ringside, um, kind of that like fight club element. They changed up production with the the, the camera angles and um, the hard camera was facing the ring where the the entrance set was back dropped. WWE then adopted that philosophy uh, because it was pretty brutal to, you know, watch a bunch of empty, you know, look at a bunch of empty chairs while guys were wrestling. Uh, But over time, it's been, you know, it's been a work in progress uh, on on all fronts in wrestling. Uh, Now to the point where, you know, 
there's independent shows out there that have limited fans, you know, fans wearing masks, AEW's, you know, at like 10%, 15% capacity with some fans, socially distanced. You can buy like pods of, uh, of, of seating, um, with now AEW is to, Sorry to cut no, you in, okay. cut in there, but AEW is at a different dis, uh, advantage right now. They have Daly's place. Um, yes, it's an outside venue, correct? Yeah, it's a, so it's a, it's a it's a music amphitheater. Um, it has a roof over it, but there is you know it's a, it's got an outdoor element to it. Um, so they're able to you know kind of spread the fans out a little bit. Um, as of recently, with the NXT takeover, WWE brought NXT to the Performance Center, which is now known as the Capital Wrestling Center. Um, oh, boy. I, I, which I, is I, the same logo for the Cruiserweight Classic, which is also revamped into the Capital Wrestling Center, and then they say, we want NXT to be different, and then they have Vince McMahon at the beginning talking about Capital Wrestling Center. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I get the homage to, you know, a throwback of, of how it all began for the WWF. Um, I thought that was a nice touch. Um, they've kind of mixed a little bit of the Thunderdome with that NXT feel. Still got that, like, underground look. I think it, I think it looks way better than, you know, what they were doing at Full Sail. I know that uh, at Full Sail, there's students back on campus, so they're, they're – and WWE's trying to bring fans back – you know, slowly. So full sales doesn't really want to take that risk right now. So that's part of the reason why that they're at the Capitol wrestling center. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, slowly, but surely it's been a work in progress. Like you said earlier, the Thunderdome, I thought the Thunderdome has made WWE programming, uh, a little bit more, um, watchable, viewable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, with, with the noise, I mean, you know, baseball did it, NBA did it, football did it, um, in terms of, you know, piping in crowd noise, hockey as well. So they've tried, you know, it's not just wrestling in general, but I mean, it's just all walks of entertainment and sports are, are trying to fake it till you make it uh, with with, yeah. with the, the, the advent of technology. I mean, imagine if this took place, imagine if this took place like 30-something years ago. You know, 1995 you know, or something. Yeah, 40 yeah. years ago, and you didn't have that technology there. I mean, it, it would it would it would be far worse than what we're seeing today. Oh, absolutely. I think there would have been a like a, a shutdown and just playing repeats for a little bit, as uh, like kind of like ROH did until they revamped. And uh, going into segueing here, ROH has changed almost completely the wrestling game. Uh, they've gone back to the basics. Are you aware of what they're doing right now, Dave? Uh, I think they're... Are they doing a tournament? <coughs> yes, indeed. They are doing the ROH Pure Wrestling Tournament okay. for the ROH Pure Wrestling Championship. Okay. Um, it's an old title. Um, one of the most famous people to hold that title is, obviously, Nigel McGuinness. Um, I believe uh, Daniel Bryan and possibly um, I think Samoa AJ Joe. Styles might have held the Pure title yes. as well. <clears throat> Yes. Now, with the Pure Championship, um, it's it's kind of rounds. Uh, it's a fifteen minute round, and you have three points um, of which can be broken when you use a rope break. So you only get three rope breaks during the match. Interesting. Um, yeah. Lim, lim, <clears throat> so anyhow, ROH has basically revamped uh, their whole their. For a while, they were playing repeats and just kind of building the stars that they had on their um on their roster mm -hmm. and like giving you a, a 
like a whole episode of Hot Sauce Tracy Williams or a whole episode of Jay Lethal and their greatest matches. Yes. You know? Um, NXT so then, UK did that for a while until they recently um, resumed uh, their tapings. Yeah, and then they re- they resumed tapings and started this pure wrestling tournament, which the rules are each wrestler has a rope break to stop a submission hold and pinfall during the match. After a wrestler exhausts his rope breaks, submissions, and attempts under the ropes by the opponents are considered legal. So you can use all your rope breaks and then... Like a match that I saw on the Pure Wrestling Tournament, uh, a guy put his leg under the rope and it wasn't, or he grabbed the rope during a submission and he wasn't able to break the submission, which is great. It's bringing us back to the basics of wrestling. Because I think in this pandemic, um, in this quarantine, this state of wrestling that we've gotten is very theatrical. And we've lost the, uh, the, the bane of what wrestling was. It was the... Mm-hmm. Uh, to suspend your disbelief oh, yeah. to make it look like two guys were having a struggle. And I know we've evolved into this stage to where we know what's going on with wrestling. We know the insides and, you know, everybody loves to know like a little inside about how everybody wants done to be in on a magic trick. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, this to me is a breath of fresh air. It's something different. It's, 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 it's not actually different. It's the old school, but it's these newer wrestlers using their uh, pure wrestling skills and their hybrid um, wrestling techniques against each other. So you're watching a well-thought-out match of how these guys would actually struggle in the match. And my my suspension of disbelief is all the way through the roof with ROH. Um, this is great. They're doing background packages on these guys before they have a match you're only getting two matches an episode and they're moving slowly towards the finals of this pure wrestling tournament interesting i know that for you know before the pandemic um excuse me um roh was in a bit of a shift uh within management marty scroll uh took over as the booker and they were he still is the booker. Well, yeah, technically. I mean, I, from what I understand, um, because his name was brought up in that, you know, the speaking out movement. Yeah. That um, yes. he's kind of, you know, had to scale back a little bit. Um, you know, innocent to proven guilty. I'm not going to get into that discussion unless you want to talk about that sort of stuff. That That's fine with me. But, um, uh, you know, he, for a while, Ring of Honor was, you know, trying to find their footing. Um and, and Skrull came in and, you know, they, they, they were starting to, they were in the midst of, of, of making some changes. And then the pandemic came and, you know, they weren't able to produce television. You know, guys weren't able to travel, et cetera. And like you said, they were, um, they were in the, uh, the, uh, you know, they, they were, they were rebuilding and this whole, you know, tournament came up. Um, NXT UK is doing something similar with like a, with like a cup. They're doing like some sort mm-hmm. of like, you know, queen's cup or whatever um where they do like rounds and there's a point system and things like that i haven't watched too much of it um i haven't really watched much of it at all so um but i mean in this era i guess you could call it the pandemic era of pro wrestling um you know we've seen a lot of things creatively that i don't think we would have seen overall in general with wrestling uh because of the, the 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 climate um and, you know, Ring of Honor, you know, in order to survive, they've had to, you know, like you said, kind of go back to basics. So um, I think create, yeah. I think creatively, yes, not everything, not everyone's going to hit a home run creatively in terms of their presentation. But I feel like we're seeing 
more of an effort to think outside the box instead of saying staying in a safety net when it comes to creative scenarios and we could talk more about that with like the roman reigns heel turn and other well, things yeah that... i kind of wanted to segue into that oh, as well look at that. Here i feel we go. like <laughs> i feel like this roh uh presentation this this back to the basics kind of uh format is is leaking or um is also being seen in smackdown uh, because of the production from Paul Heyman or whoever is behind the scenes there, uh, I've been watching SmackDown a lot recently. I think Pritchard's uh, uh, still head of the writing team over there, Brucey Pooh. Okay, uh, yeah. Okay, as well as NXT. NXT, you know, we're we're, we're jumping around with a lot of guys um, and trying to figure out where we're going uh, due to injuries. Which, oh my God, injuries are crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, we can get into that, uh, but yes. Yeah, so. Anyhow, my point is, I think with the booking that I've seen recently on SmackDown, it's gotten more simple. I mean, we still do have the Fiend appearing. We still do have this uh, these vignettes and these this wild uh, imagination of WWE in intertwined with it. But we're getting good storytelling here and simple storytelling and simple booking that moves us forward in a storyline which we like to see. Yeah, that's the 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 best part of wrestling. Yep. Is the story? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think when that, re- with the exception of the Otis storyline where he's getting sued by the Miz, um, mm-hmm. yeah. everything else on that show has been pretty simple and effective, and they're not, you know, going too crazy out of the box with the storytelling. They're not trying to reinvent the wheel, and I think a lot of that started when they when they brought Roman Reigns back on the television yes. and they changed his persona up a little they paired him up with Heyman he's now the champ um the, it, I think it forced every the rest of the landscape on Smackdown to change so I think but it's 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 interesting to me like that just this simple these simple little tools right here we've gotten nearly uh, two big guys Biggie and Roman Reigns mm-hmm. Jay Uso and uh, the New Day now, uh, these five guys that were kind of like in a stalemate, like hold for 10 years, have now finally evolved. You know, we see the steps of them evolving more. Yeah. With just the simple tweaks. I think, I think you know, with the with the Jey Uso thing, that's like a means to an end for Roman Reigns. Like, I, I don't, I mean, he's done a great job in his role as, you know, the underdog younger cousin of Roman Reigns. And I think... Um, you know that's going to help further along this new antagonist persona of Roman Reigns now that he's paired up with Paul Heyman. But I don't see like I, once that's over and the other USO comes back from injury, Jimmy USO, then I think it's back to business as usual for those two guys as a team right. because I think SmackDown yeah. is I think just WWE in general there because of the pandemic the tag team divisions have suffered. Like I've said this for a long time. Merge the tag team divisions together because if you ha- if you well, merge those tag team divisions together, you'll be able to have six or seven good solid tag teams overall within the entire landscape of WWE. Now, yeah, as, as of this recording, they did do something interesting. Friday night, they did the draft and they drafted the SmackDown tag team champions, which are Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, to Raw. And I want to talk about that. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. And I want to talk about just in general that that element of the draft. Okay, you know I didn't have high hopes going into the draft. All right, um, I really didn't. I was like, ugh, 
Like, I get that they need to do this to kind of freshen things up a bit, but, you know, I, I feel like the draft is designed for, like, three or four guys, or girls, I should say, um, to really launch to the next level. And everything else is just kind of, like, formulaic. Like, all right, we're going to move these guys over here because they haven't wrestled with these people, et cetera, and just see what comes of it. Um, yeah. In this instance, I felt like there was a better plan with the draft when they laid out the rules ahead of time with the draft pertaining to teams and like groups or factions you know they clearly stated at the top of the at the top of the show that tag teams will move together unless a respective brand chooses to draft only one of those tag teams so for instance Mm -hmm. monday night raw drafted the Hurt Business as a as a as a quartet, the four of them. All right, which yep. I thought was which I which I liked. I think the Hurt Business has been you know a breath of fresh air on Monday Night Raw. Uh, MVP is literally the MVP of you know the pandemic era of pro wrestling. He's made you care about Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin yes. when nobody gave a shit about those guys because of the way that their characters are presented. And now he's going to be Cedric doing has that. Gotten a little bump Ced- too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cedric Alexander's gotten a little bump as well. So, um when it comes to New Day, okay? Biggie has been, you know, in this singles role for a little while. Xavier Woods was out. Kofi was out as well. It's been going pretty well for him in this singles role. And with the draft, you kind of had an idea that they were going to be moving in that direction where maybe there was a good chance they were going to split up New Day. And Biggie. Well, the story was there throughout the whole episode. Yeah. It was threaded throughout the whole episode, which is great, which is perfect wrestling. Yeah. So then the smart Mark wrestling fans, and I hate to use that term because we're all fucking Marks to begin with, but um, they want to they try and bust up the logic here. And how they drafted them, okay? So, Monday Night Raw drafted Kofi and Woods, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, okay? And then SmackDown drafted Big E. So, most wrestling fans are like, what's the logic in drafting two out of the three? But they stated at the beginning of the show that if a respective brand does not want to draft a tag team member, they can go and draft the other person. And leave them hanging. So Monday Night Raw drafted Kofi and Woods. And then they had that big cliffhanger moment where the next pick was SmackDowns. And it was Big E. So try to, instead of trying to recreate the the create the, the scenario to fit your individual narrative, try and think in storyline terms, in kayfabe if you will, why this scenario took place. Maybe Monday Night Raw... They want those titles, Yeah, maybe Monday Night Raw wanted the tag team titles. They wanted possession of the SmackDown tag team titles as like a one-up to SmackDown. And they could only do that with two guys, okay? They couldn't do it with three. Maybe they saw more value in Kofi and Woods, given the current roster that they had at that time of that particular draft pick. And then SmackDown said, well, you know what? Big E's been a big, you know, uh, presence on SmackDown. Let's keep him, okay? Now, everybody and their freaking mother on the internet has all wanted to see Big E have an opportunity at a singles role. Now they give it to you, and you're all fucking mad because of the way that they drafted him? 
You're gonna forget about yeah, it in I three think weeks. This is perfect. You're gonna yeah, forget. Yeah, you're gonna forget about it in three weeks. And here's one more point I want to make regarding the draft itself. Not only did they lay out the rules, but I like the fact that Monday Night Raw and SmackDown drafted their champions because it showed how important those individuals are to that particular brand. So Drew Absolutely. stayed on Raw and Roman stayed on SmackDown. You know what I mean? It made sense. <clears throat> it made sense. Yep. And I like that they left the draft pool open so that if Raw wanted to keep particular guys, they could. And same thing with SmackDown. Instead of just flip-flopping guys. You had those moments on this this particular instance of the draft where you had like a Seth Rollins move and a New Day move and etc. And yet, you, you know, Rey Mysterio and Dom. Like, oh, that's another thing. People are pissed that the Rey Mysterio, Dominic, Seth Rollins, you know, storyline has now moved from Raw to SmackDown. Okay, that's fine. Maybe you're burned out from it, all right? Maybe you've just kind of had enough of it, all right? But you, at the same time, the story's not over yet. Now, I'm not totally thrilled with the whole Aaliyah Mysterio involved in the storyline, but I'm kind of playing that out. But you're going to cry bullshit if they separated those two and they didn't finish the story. And then you're going to complain that WWE has no continuity with their storytelling. So it's 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 one or the other. And either way, wrestling fans, the dirt sheet writers, they just need to hate tweet or they need to rant about something. Like I said, you want a Biggie singles run? Now you're going to get it. But you didn't like how they drafted it? Like, give me a fucking break. Like, that, yeah. that's where I'm just like, you know what? Like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I'm sorry. You just can't. Exactly. You can't. Exactly. But overall, I think like the way that they set up that draft, the way that they kind of laid out the rules, the way that they showed the importance of the champions in the first two picks, I think this in the in, in recent years, this has been the the most consistent, solid presentation of the draft itself. Like, remember last year when they did that draft and they showed, like, the war rooms with Fox and USA and you had all those fucking actors in the room? Like, like to me, like, that was bullshit. Like, I just didn't like that at all. Like, that was so stupid, like, for me personally. But nonetheless... Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. This, this, was, this was done well. Yeah, um, I think so, thought, too. It was thought out. And the, the good thing was is you had a, a pool to pick from. Yes. They, so they, they, it yeah, wasn't they segregated everybody guys. was available. Yeah. yeah. It was like 20 or 30 um, for Friday. And then, you know, at the time of this recording, we're recording this on October the 12th. And, you know, the second night of the draft is supposed to take place this evening. So by the time this drops, you know, the draft will be over with. But then there's a second pool of talent that are exclusive to this night's draft. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that yeah. was interesting. I thought that was cool. I liked it personally. And, you know, I'm looking forward to. Well, it gave a reason to why people weren't picked. Yes. Or, or, or might have been left out. Yep. And it gave a reason to why the women's title wasn't decided because they were they that title was up for grabs on that episode. Yes. So it, it gives you logic behind the wrestling finally. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm just happy to finally see some type of. I don't know. For a while there, Dave, I thought I was going crazy, man. Oh, I'm not. I'm with you there too. I mean, I had a rough time watching WWE programming um, as a whole. Um, I did watch a little more AEW just because I like I said I think they embraced. The, the pandemic early on and didn't, you know, try to exclude it or not acknowledge it. Not saying that they had to acknowledge it on TV, but, you know, with the talent around ringside, socially distancing as fans. And, you know, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I watched, I ordered Double or Nothing back in May. And I wasn't pleased with that. Was was it that or All Out? Because I didn't like All Out. Double or Nothing in May. I think it was All Out. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Double or Nothing in May, I thought, was with the stadium stampede match with Inner Circle oh, yeah, and good. the Elite. Yeah. Like, 
I thought that show was great. I really did. Like, that was like, I think it was up there with WrestleMania in terms of the effort that they put in, given mm-hmm. the given mm-hmm. what they were able to do with the climate. All Out, to me, sucked. Like, I could have cared less about Jericho and Orange Cassidy and that fucking Nickelodeon Double Dare match where you had to throw the guy in the fucking pool. I was waiting. I mean, honestly, man. Chris Jericho has tarnished his career with this AEW move, in my opinion. This uh, is like, this is a lot of bad stuff that I've seen recently. And if you guys want to hear people talk about the bad stuff and the good stuff, you can always check out Cool Truth on our archive as well. Yeah, Cool Truth with White House and uh, Hollywood Edwards, um, AC, 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 yeah. holding it down over there, um, pumping out the content and giving you the cool truth on AEW. Let's kind of segue into that, Dave. Like, uh, I mean. I don't know. It's it's gotten a bit crazy with the AEW booking. Uh, it seems like they, they get traction, and then we go into this friend zone again to where it's pleasing the kids or pleasing a friend of theirs, or I don't know what it is. Um, Here's a number of different things that I find wrong with AEW. Um, first of all, they got way too many people on their roster, okay? Fuck now, yeah. I don't know if there was plan. I know that they signed a new deal with... Um, with uh, Turner Home Entertainment, Time Warner, uh, to produce another show. They have Dark on YouTube, which Dark used to be three or four matches. Now it's like 11 matches on like a two-hour show. Like it's another it's another two-hour show. Um, yes, you can see guys you normally don't see on, on Dynamite that are on Dark. Um, but there's just way too much talent. And like they have the same seven or eight people sitting in the front row. Um, you know, on their weekly shows on Dynamite every single week. It's just... uh, They have Billy Gunn, who is bigger than... more than half the roster, sitting there all the time, and his son, who's semi-talented. Yeah. And they're just sitting there watching the whole time. So there's that, and then... The storytelling itself... um, I think... It's not really storytelling. It's not really... It's kind of going week by week. Yeah, like... I think the pandemic... You know, as much as they've embraced the pandemic with their presentation, they've also had to make some alterations and some changes with, you know, the hangman, Adam Page, Kenny Omega story. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there, that was supposed to be blown off months ago. Uh, I'm, I'm just guessing. That's that's just that's just my guess personally. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the in-ring stuff, like I feel like Cody Mike, Mike work and his in ring, like he's head and shoulders above the rest. Like, like, absolutely like great. Everyone else is fighting for second place. Like to the extent I'll, I'll, I'll give, I'll give Moxley and, and Brody Lee, you know, kind of put them in there like maybe close to up there with Cody, but everyone else is okay too. Archer's not bad, but that's the thing. There's no continuity in the story. So for instance, Moxley's been the champion since right before the lockdown, okay? Which I didn't think he should have gotten the belt that soon, but nonetheless, they gave him the belt. Whatever. He's been going through challengers. So, he went through Brian Cage. Taz's team. Taz's team, yeah, yeah, with Brian Cage. Now he, you know, then Brody Lee, and then, you know, um, MJF, and now they put him with, uh, he's going to be put with Archer by the time this recording drops, it'll already happen. Who are they going to move him on to next? Like, same thing with Cody for a while. Cody had these big rivalries, like Sean Spears, then it moved to MJF, then it was Jericho, then it was MJF. It was like, there was no long term. I think what you're getting at is they're building up these rivalries or these, these guys, and then all of a sudden boom they're dead yeah like Ar- archer came in and got buried 
And then he, now he's got to build up again. Same with Cage. They gave Cage the FTW title, and they're not even explaining the storyline that, that he should be the uncrowned champion. That's what the FTW yeah. title is. And they're not explaining that storyline correctly. Um, and then we have the Young Bucks here trying to be badasses. Oh, um, I'm sick of them. With, like, I, I, I'm with the sick middle of... school, turn your hat backwards. Oh, I'm sick of them. And I'm going to spit out my gum. That It's really bad, yeah, man. No, they... And, okay, Cody... Head and, head and shoulders above everything else. Can we go into the bull rope match? Did you enjoy that? Did you watch the, the do- I mean, the, the bull rope the dog match, collar the match. dog collar match. I did, did enjoy, enjoy it. That? I did like it. I wish Greg Valentine would have done more than just sit there with his blank stare. <laughs> but I mean, that's uh, all he can do with that state. At this point, I would have had Valentine come out and like bring the dog collar out. Instead, they had him sitting in the chair in the audience. Yeah. Like you know, well, you want to make it COVID. special. Yeah, but there's also everyone else around ringside. Like True. if anything, wear a mask. Like they had a battle. Me, they had a battle royal at the last pay per view. They didn't give a shit about COVID. Then there was like twenty guys in the fucking ring. To me, in my opinion, that was a great match. But the the pace of it was a hundred and fifty miles an hour. Yeah, they needed to slow that You're down. Right. That should have been the main event. Yep. That should have been a thirty minute banger. Yeah, and gone slow. They they had a spot where Cody. Um, cradle pile drives Brody Lee through a table on the commercial break, and Brody Lee immediately gets up after he blades. Yeah, there's no selling. Yeah, that, okay, that's, like, that's the worst I thing mean, about AEW is that those guys don't sell no half the time. Selling, yeah, dude. Tony it's, Schiavone it's, sold a fucking super kick from the Young Bucks when they pretend to be badasses, and he was off TV for a week. At least he sold it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, those guys don't even yeah. sell a DDT, and they get up right away to transition into the next move. So it's just it's it's. It's spotty at best. Um, in regards to Cody, I hate to cut you off here, but when it comes to Cody, um, this entourage and his promos, yes, he's great at cutting a promo, and he's had some of the best promos he's cut in his career, and his work in the ring is good, but come on, man. Turn this fucking guy heel already. He's like, I don't know if they're trying to go over the top with the baby face to force the fans to heel on him, but I just feel like you have an entourage. You got your brother, your wife, you got yeah, your coach. Yeah, it doesn't coach. gel like, for a face. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's not baby face. That was like when Hulk Hogan was paired with Jimmy Hart. That's not baby face. Yeah. Like, to me, it was, yeah. you know, Jimmy Hart was a little fucking weasel all his career. You expect me to like him just because he's with Hulk Hogan? Like, get the fuck out of here. So, yeah. I, I was... And the, the pan- the pandering to the crowd, Cody is uh, definitely mastered with the uh, near crying. I've been doing this 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's his dad coming through. Oh, yeah. Um, and you can tell it's part of the show, but uh, uh, maybe they are milking this for a, a slow burn for him to turn heel. But That's uh, very possible. That's very possible. I just think it's, I, I just think he's, you know, as a baby face, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, on his own, yes, he'd be great. But with an entourage, that doesn't, baby faces and entourages in wrestling, at least traditionally, just don't exist. Unless you're like a cool heel, you know, a cool rebel group, like a DX. Like, there's nothing rebellious or cool about the Nightmare family, uh, yeah. in my I, I'll opinion. I'll put it to you this way. I'll put it to you this way, and then we'll kind of segue into the middle ground between the wacky stuff and the kind of uh, keeping it more realistic we'll go into nxt after this um uh, aew reminds me of my when my little brother borrowed my wwf no mercy and he changed all the characters and stables (laughs) around like every fucking week yeah that's that's exactly how it is i'm like dude what's going on where's Where's Matt Hardy? Yeah. Why is wait? Why is Matt Hardy over here with the heel? Like, what? yeah, I don't know. That's awesome. So, yeah, 
<laughs> That's what AEW reminds me of. Somebody keeps fucking getting control of the booking or the remote control for the video game and changing everything around every week. You know, before we transition to NXT, I just want to bring up one point about Jericho, okay? Um, Absolutely. I've enjoyed... The inner circle grew on me. At first, when they when they formed the inner circle, I wasn't too thrilled with it. I was like, it just... on. From a cosmetic standpoint, I looked at those five guys and I was like, this is like a mix mosh. Like, like these guys must definitely like be friends behind the scenes to all want to like be a group on TV. But they've kind of like formed into their own group that like that I can I can get behind. Um, you know, it reminds me a lot of like, I don't know if you remember the old 1960s Batman TV show with Adam West. Uh, yes. But the pilot for that TV show was a movie, and it was all mm-hmm. the bad guys against Batman and Robin. So it was Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, and the Riddler. And mm-hmm. so it kind of reminded me of like all these different comic book villains going after the heroes um, With when it comes to Inner Circle. Now, the Mimosa match... I could care less for Jericho changes his nickname every other week. He was La Champion, then he was Demo God, then he's the million dollar viewer. Or... And and can we go to that Demo God thing? Okay, you're talking about a demographic of maybe a million people watching a week. Buddy, we were watching wrestling when nine million people yeah. were watching. And, here's, and you know what? I'm glad that's you... Not th- that's nothing to brag I about. I am glad you brought that up, okay? Because, you know... This whole Wednesday Night War thing, everyone's trying to recreate the Monday Night Roars. Oh, AEW beat NXT in the ratings, and oh, they won the demo. They won the demo. They're fighting over 1.5 million fans. All right, but but, hold on a second here, okay? They may be fighting over 1.5 million fans, but, you know, I've watched enough retrospectives and documentaries regarding the Monday Night Wars on the network, and when WCW was winning the war, I never once heard Eric Bischoff say, we won the demo. You won the night. You know what I mean? So when NXT wins the night, okay, and they've they've won the night on a handful of occasions, AEW fans and even the wrestlers themselves say, well, they didn't win the demo. They got to win the demo. The key demographic is what, you know, drives people to watch the show and the advertisers and et cetera, et cetera. But when AEW wins the night and they don't really dominate the demo, well, we won the night. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's such such a double standard. I don't give a shit about ratings. I got more wrestling on my TV. As a fan, I'm, I'm, I'm the winner here. Fuck the demo. Fuck the ratings war. I'm the winner. I got more wrestling content on my DVR for me to watch. That's it. End of discussion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody gave a shit about the demo. Bischoff wasn't on TV every week on Nitro talking about, oh, I won the demo. I won the 18 to 34 or 18 to 49 demo or whatever it is. You know, Jericho's yeah. going to turn I mean, 50 if- this year. He can't call himself the demo god after after the age of 49. All right. I mean, it clearly shows that they're, they're just the booking and the strategy of the show is for uh, to compete with NXT rather than tell a story. We had about two weeks of build for a dog collar match that came out of nowhere. Yeah. One week of build. I didn't really care for that then, either. And then that that match was in the middle of the fucking card just so they could beat the hour for NXT. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And they put Jared, they put Inner Circle up against the fucking the cashier and the store clerk from fucking Party City, you know, against Jericho's friend. Yeah, like it, and he botched a bunch and almost fucking hurt everybody. Yeah, and yeah, it was bad. The botching, like the I'm no I'm no star athlete, but I mean, you know, why can you just make it appear like the things you're doing in the ring make sense instead of like the fifteen well, twenty don't tell seconds us that the guy. 
don't tell us that the guy hasn't wrestled in 20 years and then bring him out. Yeah. And have him wrestle at the main event fucking show on live TV. Yeah. It's it just, was, it, it was brutal. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm just like the, the transitioning into spots and like the worst is private party. I can't stand those two. I cannot, I've uh, said it from day one. It's bad. I it's cannot bad. stand it's those cosplaying two. cosplaying like, wrestlers. Yeah. There's a lot of cosplaying on AEW, but at the same time, like I, I think that like, I think that the company has, and I'm, and you know what, as much as we've shit on AEW right now, which is going to like, you know, kill some of the AEW guys, including our, our colleagues over at cool truth. Um, you know, I think there's good things about that programming. I think that there's, yes, absolutely. you know, with Cody, like I said, head and shoulders above everyone else. His mic work, his storytelling, his in-ring. I, he's he's head and shoulders above everyone else is the best out there. And there's good things about some of the continuity. Mox, Mox is an intimidating Mo, yeah. champion killer. You know? Yeah, Moxley's done a great job. Um, but I think that they've been a victim of their own success because they... You know, because they gained such a strong cult-like following on a national scale early on that I wouldn't say it's the success has gotten to them, but I think that they've kind of lost track of, of what they what they've wanted to accomplish. So, like, let's say, for instance, in the beginning, OK, the whole ranking system with the champions and the and <laughs> OK, where did that go? Yeah, it's still kind of. There, yeah. Right? So there was one week where. You know they had Paige and uh, and Omega as tag team champions, okay? And they wrestled whoever that one of these teams was in the top five, but they weren't the number one ranked team. But they somehow got a title shot, okay? They were in the top five rankings. Then they announced the next week, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall are going to get a title shot, and they're not even in the fucking rankings. They've never teamed up before. So how do you get a title shot? Like, to me, it was just, like, it was baffling to me. That, and also, here's my biggest gripe about AEW, okay? And this is not just, this isn't the programming itself, but this is how the guys, like, the EVPs, even Cody to an extent, this is how these guys present themselves. When AEW first came on the scene, they wouldn't shut the fuck up about how they are the Ellis Island of professional wrestling, okay? They wouldn't stop talking about it. You can come here. You can be yourself. You can use your own creative. You don't have to be told what to say and what to do. You can be who you are and still get over and make good money doing it, okay? The, the Ellis Island of professional wrestling was, was AEW, all right? They even talked about how we take care of the boys and we're going to give these guys health insurance, okay? Newsflash. All right. That whole health insurance thing is a fucking joke. All right. They talk about how they want to unionize the boys. They want to unionize wrestling, you know, give these guys health care and take care of them in the same vein that like the NFL and all these other organizations and sports organizations do. The only people that have health insurance within AEW that wrestle are Cody, Omega, Brandy, the Bucks and Christopher Daniels because they are full-time employees to all elite wrestling. The rest of the boys, they don't have health insurance that's covered through AEW. They have to get their own health insurance. And the Bucks, they backtracked that shit on Twitter like a year ago because someone brought it up on Twitter and they had to stand. They they pretty much called themselves out on it. They were like, not everyone in AEW gets health insurance unless you're full-time. And do you consider wrestling once a week full-time? I don't think so. So to me, that bothers me that they kind of 
opened the doors for a lot of these talents and gave them these false promises that you come to AEW, you're going to be on TV, you're going to make good money, we're still going to allow you to do what you do on the outside, whether you have a, a, a video game streaming service or whether you do independence that doesn't conflict with AEW dates, we're still going to allow you to make money outside of here and we're going to give you health insurance. But when that health insurance topic came up, all of a sudden that shit changed and it turned into mm-hmm. you're only full time if you if, to get health insurance. And to me, I thought I thought that was the to me, I just felt that was kind of a low blow, like yeah. personally, like you, you can't tell well, these guys that you're going to offer up health insurance and then fucking have to pull it away from them. But you guys, you can get health insurance, you know, all the bucks and, and, and Omega and, and, and Cody and all those guys, you can get health insurance. But the rest of you guys, you know. We can't give that to you because you're not full time. We'll pay for your injuries if you get hurt, but we can't give you full, you know, full time health insurance. Sounds like typical politics promising something that they're not going to exactly, do. exactly. Um, they did the same thing, to, and I'll like, they did it to the fans. They told us that it was going to be a different product. Um, it's it, to me, it's WWE wacky light. Um, it is, it is. The ridiculous stuff that I didn't like from WWE, I'm seeing a lot. Yeah. Or the ridiculous stuff from WCW 2000, I'm seeing on this show. There's even some WCW 2000 stuff that's more watchable than what's going on in AEW. Yeah. That's all I'll say. You can shit all over Vince Russo's pole matches. Judy Bagwell on a forklift and fucking Viagra on a pole. But they did a fucking mimosa match where you had to throw a guy in a fucking orange juice bowl. Like I yeah, said, and I thought I was watching Double Dare on Nickelodeon. I was waiting for them to pull out the big giant nose. You got to put the boogers to get the fucking flag to go to the next obstacle course. Like, give yeah, me a break. It was bad. It was bad. Um, well, give me a break. Let's talk about some breaking stuff that happened in NXT. Did you see the Ridge Holland injury? Yes, that was nasty. Ooh, ridiculous. Yeah. Ridge Holland, uh, a promising character that was developed. Uh, let's let's jump back. Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. Did you watch that? You Kyle O'Reilly, Finn Balor? I'm sorry, Finn Balor. Yeah. I am so yes. sorry. No, yeah. I didn't. No, okay. Adam, no, that's okay. Adam Cole was involved in the finish at the end with, yes. with the whole Rich yes. Allen thing. But yeah, yes. um, I did watch it. I thought it was a pretty good match. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought that was a solid match. Yeah. I, I thought that, that has, uh, like, you know, could be match of the year. I agree. Shit that we saw. I agree. I, I wasn't too sold on Kyle O'Reilly as a challenger and it looked like they were kind of leaning towards Undisputed Era turning babyface or at least maybe Kyle but I, I think they've built that up with this match they, yeah they definitely yeah they, they definitely built it up with the match for sure um, it definitely cemented O'Reilly as a top guy in NXT I thought the match was good um did Val- Balor broke his jaw in two places. O'Reilly suffered that some knee injuries lift at the end. Yeah, um, you know, and it's funny we talked about AEW. Jericho kind of shit on that. He said, "Oh yeah, that's great. These two guys fucked each other up, and now they can't, you know, they they can't, you know, wrestle for months at a time or whatever." And last time I checked, yeah, Jericho's been injury free, but um, you know. It's not like Jericho's ever been in a match before where he hasn't, you know, guys accidentally hurt other guys. You know, you yeah, get caught up happens. in the moment, it happens. It's not ballet, they say, right? It's, it's it's not ballet. If I remember correctly, Jericho bulldogged Bubba Dudley off the top of the ladder face first, and he was knocked silly and couldn't work the rest of the match. 
Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it's not like Jericho's immune to it. Like, you know, he, he's done it before. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going off on a little tangent here. I enjoyed the match. I thought it was very hard hitting, physical, really showed what O'Reilly can do. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was good. And the whole Ridge Holland thing, that was a surprise where he brought out Adam Cole, you know, lifeless. He and dumped then him we, on the floor. We kind of got signs for uh, the Undisputed Era maybe splitting because. Out of nowhere, Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong show up, and they, they're like, what's going on? What happened? Where were you? Where were you? Wait, yeah. Kyle O'Reilly was wrestling. What do you mean, where was he? Yeah. It was kind of like it, they were – they don't know subtlety that well, but, uh, yeah, I, I can see the uh, the group splitting up there. Maybe Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly teaming back up um, like they were back in our Ring of Honor days, yep. Yeah. Um, it's 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 interesting. We had that Ridge Holland coming into play as far as uh, almost in a main event uh, scene, but not really because Finn Balor was totally lost after that whole thing. There was no focus on the champion. Sometimes sometimes that happens. I mean, there's there's situations where you know champions are role players. You know, means to an end, so to speak. I mean, it's no different than when you know. Um, when uh, the Miz was champion and he was pretty much the the third wheel, um, you know, in the John Cena Rock stuff heading into that WrestleMania. So I mean, in this case, right. in, in this case, you know, it was after the match where Balor was kind of a, an afterthought. Um, but you know, yeah, tough break for Ridge Holland. I mean, he's he was on NXT UK. He was looked at from management as like. This, like, with loads of potential, like this, like a, a younger version of Brock Lesnar in terms of what an athletic guy can do with his size, especially someone like him. Uh, but, yeah. I t- think he still had some time to learn in the ring, though, to get some more psychology down yeah. and get, build a stronger match rather than having, like, a three-minute squash. Yeah, I didn't see um, much of him. I, I saw a little bits and pieces, but I didn't see enough of him to really come, at least for me, come up with that assumption. But, uh, yeah, tough break for him. I mean, NXT with injuries, that, and Balor with a broken Jaw, carrying Cross won the title, you know, a few months back, and he's out, and you know they've had to make some shifts and changes. The pandemic really changed a lot. Um, it, it, it forced, like I said, it's forced them to do things creatively they haven't done before. It's moved guys in certain positions you wouldn't expect, um, and it's also caused a lot of guys to go a little extra harder for the presentation, and then end up hurting themselves. Yeah, and not even in front of a live crowd. Yeah, um, that. The, the main thing is, and I know a lot of people say this, but please stop with the topes and dives. Yeah. I don't need to see one every single fucking match. Yeah. Because it takes away from the main event match or the one that does have the dive that actually means something. Yeah. No, you're um, right. I'm with you. You got a 200-pound guy jumping over the top rope, and you got another guy that's just planted trying to catch him and fall. And if he doesn't know how to fall correctly, he's going to snap his ankle like Ridge Holland did and possibly ruin his career. Yeah. Um, just for the sake of having that little high spot when you couldn't think of something uh, transitional that's safer and different. Like, let's let's think outside the box here. Yeah, you know? that was... Uh... Yeah, uh, it's it's like it's like the super kicks and the DDTs, super kicks, DDTs, super and, kicks, TVs, and dives. And, and yeah, super kicks, DDTs, and dives are like the the um are are you know the the the, the most overused um moves. You know, I remember a super kick used to be a finish, a DDT used to be a finish, a dive used to be a high spot you saw in one match on the card, maybe two. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember like that that like the iconic dive of Brett going through the middle ropes? 
at Diesel or, or um, yeah, Diesel. Yeah. Right. Oh, yes, it's the Survivor Series match. Yeah, I think he did it to yeah. Davy Boy too at at uh, at, at, at okay. SummerSlam '92. But he's so he only did it to yeah. And those like those are like watermark moments. You yeah. Know? Now it's now now it's you know uh, Tope Suicida. Um, every single time, every single match, every guy doing it. You know, it's it's just. Yeah. Huh. And hey, we're 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 in our thirties, and we've been watching wrestling mostly all of our lives. But uh, I know it's evolved. I know it's changed. But for the better? Question mark. I don't know. The sometimes back to basics is good. We've seen releases of movies and releases of shows where they just go back to the basics. Podcasts yeah. nowadays are almost like old time radio shows. Yes. Back to the basics. Yep. But you know, evolve from there. Change it up. Switch it up. Um, yeah, I don't know. Keep it simple, stupid. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and people, you know, for, for as much, for as much controversy as Jim Cornette creates on, you know, publicly on social media and on his podcast with how he views wrestling today, um, he makes some solid points about the basics of pro wrestling and what's lost in pro wrestling, but where he, where he rubs people the wrong way is how personal he gets with some yeah. of these talents, you know, Call some Joey Janela, Jelly Janela. Yeah, you know, the, the name comments, calling, yeah. taking the personal shots at guys because of the the style of wrestling that they produce. You know, like mm-hmm. like you don't need to do that if you don't like a guy's you know style of wrestling. Like, okay, you don't like a guy's style of wrestling, but don't tell him that he you know he's a, he's a fucking piece of shit and you know he needs to die and go serve you know French fries and cheeseburgers at the fucking McDonald's or whatever you do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Cornet yeah. just kind of takes it way too far, but then at the same time. That's you, my, maybe his personality to get. Well, it's, you know, it's not only his personality, but that's his way of staying relevant in today's world. Correct. You know, you and Correct. I had this conversation in text. Like he's needing to stay relevant by doing these things and taking shots at the talents, whether whether he believes it or not. That's that's him. Like that that that's mm-hmm. that's on him at the end of the day. It's it's not us for us to determine whether he's working us or it's a total shoot, you know? But he's getting eyeballs, he's getting people, you know, ears to listen to his podcasts and followers on social media. I mean, you know, is it a work? Is it a shoot? Who knows? Who cares? But he's getting attention. They say no news is bad news, you know? And mm-hmm. if he's he's he he's in that territory where, you know, anything he says and does gets attention in, in today's world you know so i mean he's got to be doing something right yeah yeah definitely definitely um the, i mean he's he's doing something right but there there is um there's a, a bit of a gimmick to it pal yeah oh i agree <laughs> i know i i absolutely agree i i think um, and I, I don't i don't i don't completely agree with everything he says 100 percent. there is a there is a He's got a point to a lot of stuff. He does stuff that he says. He just doesn't um, evolve as as he doesn't evolve as much as I think people would like him to when it comes to today's current presentation of wrestling. Like he's not accepting of certain things. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's things that like in today's wrestling won't change, and that's okay. But to him, it's fucking sacrilegious. You know, right. like if he, I bet you if he had it his way, if he was booking a show or a territory, the heels would would dress with the heels and they would travel with the heels and the baby faces would do the same thing and you wouldn't intermingle with each other and you'd keep kayfabe out in public and all this other stuff. Who your wife or your girlfriend is. Yeah, you know what I mean? They're not gonna, yeah, if guys are married to certain talents or, or, or dating certain talents, he doesn't give a shit. You're not putting them together on TV if, if one's a baby face and one's a heel. You know what I mean? So, like, he's, th- he's that, you know 
so regimented into the the old school values and traditions of pro wrestling that he refuses to evolve. He's kind of in a way the modern day version of Vern Gagne, you know, yeah. except he's a little more mouthy yeah. and he, <laughs> he's, he's a little more mouthy than Vern Gagne. Um, so, yeah, Vern wouldn't cuss at all. Probably. No, oh, I gosh, that guy, that guy is just a, that guy is pure. Um, well, he's not good. No, I've heard that Vern has, I've heard some stories that Vern Gagne wasn't exactly the nicest person to his talent. And that's a lot of the reasons why a lot of guys left, uh, aside from the fact that they weren't making much money towards the end. Well, he, yeah, because he took 99% of their earnings. Well, not only took 99% of their earnings, but then like he just, like he wasn't evolving with the way that wrestling was being produced and the advent of cable and things like that. Like he just stuck to his, his, his 60s, 70s kind of formula of wrestling. Um, and also, too, like the mismanagement of of the finances within the AWA. Uh, I was just mm-hmm. I just recently listened to um, uh, eighty three weeks with Eric Bischoff, where they were covering the AWA Team Challenge series, and they okay. talked about how, like, towards the end, the last few years of the AWA, Vern Gagne pretty much propped it up with his own finances because they just weren't making money, um, mm-hmm. and it was a, a big part to do with the fact that he just was refusing to evolve. He was refusing to evolve with the business. Um, and then, and he could have evolved into something that goes into ROH. I mean, we look at it, Vern Gagne is kind of like the, the forefather, one of the forefathers of that pure wrestling. Oh, then we go uh, yeah. To Buddy, Buddy Rogers, who's like the forefather of the gimmick wrestling. Yes. The blonde, the beach, the bleach blonde. Yes. Then we go to like Lou Thez, who's the, Grappler strongman. So we yes. have three breeds of wrestling all intertwined. Uh, you know, t- that should be the the bane of wrestling, mixing all those three things. Oh yes, no, um, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. But yeah, it's it's hard to evolve and change when you're stuck stuck in a mindset, and then you're trying to reach a demo. Oh God. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What's our I demo, think, uh, by the way? <laughs> I don't know what our demo is. I hope. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I don't know. You guys let us know. Yeah. Um, write in to us at retromaniapodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions. Dave and I are going to try to do this frequently. Um, every couple weeks, maybe drop like a state of wrestling and uh, chop it up like this. I think this has been a fun episode and it's good for you and I just to uh, dissect what we've uh, digested from wrestling. Absolutely. Um, this has been a blast. I, I'm glad that we kind of, you know, change things up with this format because originally we were going to do the diesel retrospective and you know that didn't work out but um yeah this has been a lot of fun i'm, I'm down for doing these you know catching up episodes here yes absolutely um and as always where can we find you dave facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two twitter our handles at kicking out two k-i-c-k-n-o-u-t and the number two uh you know you'll find all the links to archive shows as well as on the retromania pro wrestling podcast network on podbean and all the other podcast platforms provided stitcher spreaker spotify apple Podcasts, google play soundcloud and so many others uh you can find uh kicking out at two just about everywhere um you know, hit the like button, give us a follow, be a part of the fun. Um, you know, hope, hopefully, you know, you guys are coming along for the ride. This is, you know, my personal life, my work schedule, things have changed a little bit. So I'm changing things up with this hobby. And, uh, you know, when it comes to blasting out content, and uh, hopefully you guys are all there for the ride. Absolutely. Thank you again for listening. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, and share 
that's the only way to grow. If, we, if you guys give us a nice little rating on Apple iTunes, it'll uh, definitely help us out a lot. Um, follow us on Facebook, searching Retromania with a W. I am going to be doing an Instagram, and I'll be throwing up the old uh, feeds and archive links for old episodes because it's an evergreen wrestling podcast network where you can check out any episode at any time and it'll feel just as fresh and new as it is today um yeah so thanks everybody for listening we will catch you guys again soon dave i'll talk to you all right brother